I just really like to start seeing wine coming for us instead of us. Coming for wine. Coming for wine. Yeah. And welcome back to Brews News Week, your complete wrap-up of the brewing industry news for this week. We're not here to sell you anything. We're here to tell you everything you need to know if you want to know what actually matters in the Australian beer industry. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Brews News, and I am again joined by my senior journalist, Claire Burnett. Hello, Claire. Hey, Matt. And also, welcome back, Sabrina Kunz, former executive director of the Brewers Guild of New Zealand and Brisbane resident and seemingly a regular panelist. <laughs> last last week, you were a special guest star. You, yeah. You're kind of like the, 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 the Henry Winkler, the you know, like just initially this bit role who is, uh, you know, already the taken a star. Bit, the reoccurring bit. Hi, Claire. Does everyone know who Henry Winkler is? Just... Yeah, is it, it was he, the Fonz. I was just about to say, happy days. <laughs> I feel like, thank God I knew that. I've never actually seen it, but I've heard of him. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. He was very attractive in his day. Oh, Sabrina. <laughs> Like the motorcycle the off, right. and all of the things. Yeah. Well, but that was, and, uh, if you, the show was meant to be built around Richie Cunningham. Uh, and uh, we're, already, we're already off track. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it's very interesting here now because he ended up becoming part of an ensemble, which is why he ended up leaving, but he became a very, very successful director um, and, you know, uh, doing all of these great things. But the, the show became a thing about fonts. Uh, and then we so had, what you're saying is I'm about to steal the show? Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard. <laughs> Go on, Sabrina. I'm okay with that. That's, that's, we're, we're fine with that, yeah. yeah. I, I and, think and this week Sabrina, it's supposed to be Claire's it. turn. I think this week oh, it's supposed no, to be Claire's no, turn. No. But, yes, so welcome back. Thank Thanks. you Thank you for making yourself available. Uh, we will uh, get a little bit more Claire time this year, uh, this week. <laughs> I hope Claire so. on well, air. I've thought about that and I really do think it's because in my job, I like my default is to listen. So if you guys are like, like that's just what I do for my job. You guys are going off saying amazing things, really interesting conversations being had. I'm just there sitting back with my popcorn. Enjoying myself. <laughs> well, and, and let's, you know, as, as we shared in the Facebook group, you were egging us on off mic oh, yeah, because sure. we had some fairly robust discussions. You were just going, okay, I'll wait, throwing, you know, throwing grenades in the room great. and then shutting the door. <laughs> so you were just. Uh, and in yeah, fairness, right. Claire, I, as I've explained it, I'm an out loud processor. So as oh, yeah. I'm thinking so through a Matt. problem, I know, which is why <laughs> it goes around and around in circles because we're both thinking through the problem out loud and you're just watching the process unfold. <laughs> waiting, waiting for a conclusion to be reached if there is one. <laughs> well, anyway, that's enough back of house stuff. Let's get in and... A lot of news this week, a lot of important news this week already uh, before we get to the end of January. So uh, let's head to the Australian Brews News News Desk and uh, catch up on the news you need to know to be informed this week. Absolutely. So first up, uh, this was just at the end of last week, wrote an article on buy now, pay later. Some finance and industry experts were calling it ethically questionable. And it sort of was all prompted by the fact that Australian Venue Co. signed a deal with Afterpay at the end of last year, sort of prompting these discussions. Um, So I sort of had a look at it from the uh, producer's point of view. We want to be a responsible industry. We want to be an ethical industry. And in terms of credit versus buy now, pay later, um, there are lots of different issues with it, um, one of which is that it's not, uh, the buy now, pay later is not under the same protective frameworks that credit cards are. So it sparked a really interesting discussion. It certainly did. And uh, we will park the discussion here as, as we're saying we're going to be tighter on the news and there will be a discussion about this in Below the Fold. But I'm pleased you said that it was financial people who said it was ethical question, ethically questionable because mm-hmm. it, that wasn't our editorial. Um, that yeah. was us reporting what people were saying, but we'll talk about that more in the news. Now, uh, also, this weekend, the biggest, I think it's fair to say, the biggest day in uh, craft beer in Australia, the hottest, the Gab's Hottest 100 countdown takes place. Uh, I think it's from 12.35 Australian uh, Australian Daylight Savings Time. I need to make sure I put that in the show notes. We will be recording live uh, again. Um, All of the details will be posted in the show notes as you listen and also on the website. There has been a little bit of a delay getting that formalised just because COVID is ripping through Brisbane and we weren't sure whether we wanted to get the entire Brews News team in the same uh, potentially uh, COVID-riddled environment, um, which 
you know, would have business implications down track. So we will be recording from the Bruise News offices. Uh, so stay tuned this Saturday. If this is not enough of our voices, you're going to hear more <laughs> this Saturday. Yeah, Beautiful. <laughs> Claire, ABAC <laughs> review set for 2022. Absolutely. So um, ABAC, the lovely ABAC, regularly pops up on the Radio Bruce News podcast. They released their quarterly report for the last quarter of 2021. Uh, As we've seen in the past couple of years, record activity in terms of both pre-vetting and complaints. Uh, As you'd expect, um, digital marketing incidents um, have increased. Uh, But interestingly enough, in that report, they also announced that they would be uh, undertaking a public consultation as part of a review of the code. They've shown in the past year or so that they need to stay relevant and they want to stay relevant as an organisation that uh, sort of not polices, but looks and oversees our guard advertising in Australia. So they've already taken a survey about public perceptions of alcohol marketing. And this bigger review uh, is an opportunity for everyone in the industry and everyone in Australia, if they're interested, um, to uh, sort of give their say. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot to discuss in Blow the Fold. Uh, also, Jacobs Creek fights for beer's share of throat at the cricket. Jacobs Creek is the latest drinks brand to position itself as an alternative to beer, with a new campaign encouraging Australian beer drinkers to switch their usual habits to wine while watching the cricket. The Call Stumps on Beer campaign, featuring former cricketer Brett Lee, follows the long-running over-beer campaign that launched with another cricketer, David Boone, uh, almost 10 years ago. While I support having a cold beer while watching the cricket, when you're ready to switch, nothing beats a beautiful glass of Australian wine. Jacob's Creek has something for every, ti- every, every taste. It's time to call stumps on beer friends. Brett Lee. Brilliant. Uh, and then next up, a lion is to sell Magic Rock and Thorpeur. Um, Lions announced its intentions to sell its UK assets, these two breweries. One's London-based, that's Thorpeur, and uh, the other one's in Huddersfield. Um, about 40 minutes from where, from my house back in the UK. Um, but Lyons stressed that uh, no decisions have been made yet. Um, it acquired Magic Rock in 2019 and Pure in 2018. So actually really recent acquisitions, interesting to, um, and what we'll discuss below the folds about why that might be. And finally in the news, look at this, it's not even eight minutes. Um, <laughs> finally in the news, the 2022 Pink Boots Society Australian Brew Days. Pink Boots Australia is taking applications for breweries to host collaboration brew days throughout 2022. With an aim to host at least one per state, these brew days provide an invaluable opportunity for women in the industry to network, access education and celebrate on the day. Brew days are a major source of fundraising for the year with donation money going towards scholarships and educational opportunities for our members, women working in all of the fermented beverage industry. So uh, if you're a brewery who would like to get behind the terrific work of Pink Boots, uh, you can make an application and if you want a link in the show notes uh, to find out how you can find out a little bit more about potentially hosting a brew day, uh, jump into the show notes. And that is the news of the week. It was there any that was impressive. Yeah. Um, well, through that, that, that's the news you need to know if you want the uh, immediate summary. And uh, on that note, let's go below the fold. Now, the buy now, pay later for alcohol ethically questionable. Now, the great discussion on Facebook about this one. Wow. Yeah, it went gangbusters, didn't it? It was absolutely mad. And it was really interesting as well that though both sides of the argument or all sides of the argument were making some really interesting points. With these sorts of stories, there is always there, – there seems to be the assumption that we've written a headline that it's ethically questionable because we think it, it's ethically questionable. We started talking about this at Brews News last year when, as you said uh, in, in the news, that um, Australian Venue Co. had signed, you know, on, um, and we actually read a story where there was a like a 22 or 23 year old young woman who was expressing embarrassment and remorse that, you know, on a night that she'd had a few drinks, you know, she woke up the next morning and had signed up to four weeks or four months of payments for the next couple of rounds of gin and tonic or something like that because, mm-hmm. you know, and when you read a story like that where somebody who is in a, you know, um, a, a judgment-impaired position, which is what intoxication is, and has made a decision when they haven't had money in their pocket to, but have been given the ability to immediately apply for what is effectively credit, that was something that we wanted to investigate and that spurred you to go out 
you know, um, and asked some questions of people who were financial cancelled, for example. And we, we weren't actually, we were just investigating a fact situation and thinking, well, what should we think about this? And that yeah. was what came back. And Exactly. And we're not criticising buy now, pay later. Like, if you want to do it, you want to do it. But there are differences and things that you should take into consideration as a producer of a regulated substance that mean that you have to be more careful about these things and you have to consider these things from an ethical standpoint. You should be considering whether it is questionable ethically. And I spoke to, as Matt was saying, I spoke to Fiona Guthrie, who is from counselling, well, I can't remember what the last thing is, but they basically manage the National Debt Helpline. Um, So they see it from that point of view. Obviously, that's sort of more the extreme end when people have gone a little bit too far with their spending and that kind of thing. But as as I sort of mentioned when we were talking about the fact that buy now, pay later um, providers, they don't work under the same uh, as credit cards uh they meet that means that they can charge between three and seven percent whereas a credit card will only charge 1.5 percent surcharge around about uh and they have also written you mean for the transaction fee yeah for the, that's it yeah that's it thanks thanks sabrina for clarifying uh but they've also written into their contracts that that means that that can't be passed on to the customer usually you'll get a little like post-it note on the thing and it'll say 1.5 or 0.5 percent charge for um, using a credit card that is not written into a buy now pay later thing so basically what we're saying is that these venues are charging are accepting paying more money to these providers because they assume that what people are going to spend more on alcohol than they might necessarily do with credit cards to recoup their expenses in that re- regard like it just seems a bit of a dodgy sort of motive for wanting to bring buy now pay later in surely and is that fair to say yeah and that's where it's a really interesting one because i don't you know buy now pay later is when when you use it and i've i've done that um it 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 serves a purpose you know it allows you to pay you know it's it allows you to to defray you know purchasing costs and things like and it is absolutely a legitimate form of you know credit so it seems but as as you said about alcohol alcohol is a particular class of product that because it has the ability to alter your judgment requires a certain level of responsibility around its service um and that's just you know i i i just won't broke any discussion around that because you know alcohol is something that if you supply it you have to step in and be responsible in in your service but i would also include credit providers in that, which is why credit cards and banks are heavily regulated. And this, the buy now, pay later service is something that has come in around the back door. It's skirted the legislation. It's not legislated because it, it is a little bit like Uber. Uber was a, an illegal service for a long time until it became so default, um, you know, so accepted the government had to, 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 to do it. But because it's unregulated, that is a concern. So, one of the questions that was posted in, you know, Muzzin um, Hajjah said, you know, I don't, you know, can someone explain to me the difference between the two? Because mm-hmm. at some level there is a continuum where they do blur into each other, mm-hmm. but the fundamental difference between the two services is a credit card is heavily regulated, buy now, pay later, has no regulation. Okay, so I step back and go, do you guys remember lay-by? Mm. Right, so... <laughs> yeah. um, Talking when, my language there. Right. So when I was first, <laughs> my first ever job was at Toys R Us when I was like fourteen oh, and nine amazing. months, which was the first yeah. one. And so we used to have the label, like right? Four years ago. And you write on the little <laughs> the copy paper, you know, the carbon copy paper, and then you'd rip off the slip and it would go to the customer and you would think about something you wanted and then you would pay it off over time and then you would have it, right? Mm-hmm. So I always think, you know, so I personally and I don't know why this is, and I was thinking about this as you guys were talking, but I have never used an afterpay, a buy now, pay later or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, no, me neither. But I, but I manage my household funds via credit card. Um, I, want the, I want the points, um, basically. But uh, for some reason, I do see using credit card as, um, you know, uh, uh, a safer, more normal way, and that might be because this is sort of a novel approach we know that if you look at the way that those organizations the the buy now pay later the afterpays are performing um from a stock market perspective they're doing extremely well um so they've obviously hit 
a consumer need um, and I'm not talking about in the old alcohol space to, you know, um, find new ways of being able to acquire things um, and spread the cost. Um, and then I, you know, and then you go, okay, well, why does it feel you can get inebriated and and sign up to a subscription alcohol service with a credit card? Mm-hmm. And that's going to keep coming. You can, but, but, you but you can't apply for the credit card and get that credit facility sitting in a Sat bar while you're drunk. Yeah, you can't. But you can't be drunk at home and go. You know, but be, I believe that you can with you know that that's the thing with the Australian Venue Co. Like this girl had signed up, or if you've got, um, you know, I don't think the same level of regulation, the same barriers okay. to application are there yeah. now. Do we know that that's going to last? I mean, I would well, have thought that's, that, that that's what this lady was saying. She was like, "Well, I think she's saying it's not it, buy now, pay later itself. Like the concept, fine, yeah. but the problem is it's not being regulated." So she was calling for people in the industry to be like, "Right, well, we're happy to use this, but only if it becomes regulated under these frameworks that the Reserve Bank sort of looks after. The Reserve Bank looks after credit cards; it doesn't look mm. after." Um, buying our pay later, there aren't the same protections because um, the thing that I thought of when I was thinking about this, and this is sort of a bit tangential, which is how my brain goes. But so I thought about <laughs> you know the whole like where did we come from, and it was like you used to put things away and then you'd pay them off and then you'd get them, and now we get them and then you pay them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw a recent interview with Wayne Goss, the former uh, premier of Queensland, and it was a segment in relation to pokies um and it was so um what's peter costello's brother who heads up um world vision yes um tim tim costello yes reverend tim costello yes tim costello was in it and and wangos was in it and it was and it was in it was a conversation about the introduction of gaming and pokies in particular into queensland and wayne goss at the time so at the time of this interview it was looking back on that issue and he said it was the biggest regret of his mm. premiership was uh, um, was allowing that into Queensland or sort of paving the way for it and letting it go. And he sort of said, look, I just didn't think at the time, you know, there were lots of pros and cons to both of it, but it was going to be regulated and we just mm-hmm. didn't really foresee the harm that it was going to cause at yeah. the time. And yep. so that really struck stuck with me um, and, and this was about the introduction of pokies and it was a little bit about that you couldn't foresee the harm at the time. Some people could. Um, if you asked Tim Costello, he was sort of saying slow down. Mm. Um, but it was just this thing that really stuck with me that sort of says sometimes you need to, um, as you said, Matt, there's a continuum there and every individual operates their own individual funds separately. But as ethical organisations who want to be to be seen above board, who are dealing with a regulated substance. Maybe go slow is a good approach. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting you mentioned the gambling as well because they're talking about now banning the use of credit cards for gambling. Which so, they should. So, so yeah. in, Sorry, yeah. in New Zealand, <laughs> I was actually going to ask this question when you talked about credit cards because in New Zealand... I don't know if it's the same here because I haven't done it for so long. You can't buy lottery tickets on credit. Ah, interesting. So yeah. you oh, ca- I don't know. does that exist I'm here? Not, can you buy lottery tickets on credit? Sure. I don't think you can. Um, but again, but look, and, and, and I, I, I guess from this whole discussion, this is and, and this is always my default position. The second businesses say, "Well, there is no rule around this, so I'm just going to." you know, allow it and they don't make their own ethical discussion decision. If I had a shop that sold cards, I would personally say, yes, I could make money selling to anybody that comes in and buy it on credit card, but I'm not going to because I think I think that is ethically wrong and I think that leads to problems in society. This is where my personal boundary is. Um, and I think as businesses, as ethical businesses, and dare I say conscious businesses, <laughs> you need to make a decision about where, where you stand ethically. Um, and, you know, you just hear over and over again in the alcohol industry or things, you know, oh, they're, they're, I did it because no one told me that I couldn't. There was no law about it. And that is just inviting more laws, more well, red tape. I think that's probably true. On the flip side, I would say most people in our industry, I would like to think, 
whether there was a law there or not, would not continuously serve ridiculously intoxicated people. Well, they, except we've all been in bars where they do. And, I, and I've spoken to bar owners who yeah. think that, you know, and I've actually spoken to bar owners and people who sell alcohol. So it's not my job to police them. It's their, you know, it, it's yeah. the individual's requirement. You know, the individual has to be responsible well, for their Well, maybe I behavior. hang out with the right people because everyone well, that I've no spoken to. we do because, like, that's what we do. But <laughs> the, the, the point is that you can't take that attitude with alcohol because – the fundamental, you know, and we've all done things. How many times have we woken up regretting our actions the night before? Um, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. But that is the intrinsic character of alcohol is that it has that impact on our judgment. Yeah. Um, and look, it's a tough. It's a tough one. It, it's really tough. I guess is the point of the article. Um, other than being news, the point of the article is if you're in the brewing industry in Australia, you should think about this, understand uh-huh. all of the information and make a conscious decision rather than like fall down a rabbit just, hole into something. Just doing it because I spoke to Dan Murphy's obviously just to see if they did it um, online. They don't except when they're on eBay apparently. But they were just like we'll gauge what consumers want and I was a bit like well is this really well that's nice like consumers want lots of things I want to sit at home all day eating cheese and drinking beer but I can't do that because there are rules in life and you know this this one is really a case of that like yeah the consumers might want it but is it a good idea to do that with alcohol you know we've got sharks circling we've got fair we've got council we've got people that want to see the worst in this industry and we shouldn't be giving them the chance to do that and, and every decision has a consequence. And, you know, again, it's, it's nothing with buy now, pay later. And there were, the, the discussion, again, refer people to the discussion on Facebook because it was venue owners who were going, well, you know, people who have got buy now, pay later on their phones and their credit card, how do you police that? And it's not, you know, the, the article wasn't trying to set up that there is an inherent problem with buy now, pay later, but it does have potential ramifications that, you know, I mean, I think ethical businesses should actually consider these things and decide where their yeah. lines are drawn um, around it. Because as we keep coming back to on Bruce News, if you don't, if the industry doesn't set its own standards, if it, businesses don't draw their own rules, they can often be drawn for us. And mm-hmm. when they're drawn for us, it's never where we want them to be drawn. Thank you. Please keep discussing it in, 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 in the Facebook group. Um, yeah. Hottest 100 countdown. Well, we've got three hours to fill on Sunday, so we probably don't need to uh, discuss that too much. Very, very interesting. We don't know what the results are. Um, I'll just put that out there. So uh, I'm going to be texting people today to, you know, like uh, one of the things we said on, I can't remember if it was last week on the podcast, but I certainly, no, it was after the podcast because I shared it in the Facebook group. Again, uh, the Canberra Times tipping, um, you know, saying oh, yeah. that uh, Heaps Normal was tipped to, to, to take out and be number one. <laughs> but then the whole article okay. didn't actually quote anybody tipping it. So, you know, so they're tipping it then. Well, that publication are they? Is tipping it. Because they didn't say <laughs> well, that, you know. <laughs> There's certainly a lot That's of buzz around it. It's quite possible, yeah. but, but, but which kind of, as I said, I, I take Sabrina that sort of, which was my point last week is this is the thing about alcohol-free beer at the moment. Um, this is your echo chamber. This is, well, but, it, but it's, yeah, it, it, it's an echo chamber, but then it's a self-interested echo chamber where I, I was going to share something again last night, but I didn't want to keep flogging the same horse. Oh, um, really? That seems <laughs> Noted. That was um, our former <laughs> guest. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely it, having you. <laughs> I, well, I was going to post it because there was a drinks industry publication that makes money from selling advertising to businesses in the drinks industry, spruiking and highlighting and sharing how bullish the industry is about alcohol-free beer and then going and interviewing a business that makes alcohol-free beer to prove the industry is bullishness about the, the the prospects of alcohol-free beer. So you just have this – it's not even like an extended circle of self-interest. It's just two people whose interests are very much aligned around selling ads and being talked about just saying, yeah, isn't it awesome? And, you know, no, no – ex- I've never seen anyone interviewed 
outside to sort of say anything counter to have the we, self-interest have of businesses. Have you got good sales data? Like, do we actually no. know? No, because, Nobody's well, got well, any good sales data. Apparently, it's the number one selling beer on, like, there was all of these stories at the end of last year. That was that heaps normal was the number one selling beer at. Um, no, the, no, no. The, I don't mean mind. just he, heaps normal, but I reckon oh, no, that yeah. there is a brewery out there who pays for the data from the big organisations that can actually mm. tell us how much zero to two percent. The people who well, I've never got the information, but the people that I've spoken to who have the best information are the actual retailers, um, and, and, and a, the retailers that I'm hearing from are saying, you know, but again, but well. They're saying yes, it's substantial, but they won't release the figures. Yeah. Um, so, and, so but the, you're also talking about a business that is self-interested in yeah, yeah. confirming that because yeah. So I'm saying, have you guys seen the data? And the answer is no, because no. it's it's we, proprietary and you can't get a hold of it. We have heard a self-interested interpretation of the data. Right. Exactly. And I don't so know. So we haven't seen the data, we so know. we don't know. No. On the hottest 100, though, uh, Matt, if you wanted to zhuzh up your cans. Uh, well, it is a marketing exercise. It's popular. Yeah, if, 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 oh, <laughs> listen to Claire. you, guys. <laughs> I did it. You <laughs> nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> God, we're grubby, aren't we? Uh, um, I don't mind. I like it. But yes, this is an ad. Uh, Rallings label stickers and packaging would be the people you would call. Rallings label stickers <laughs> and packaging are not only able to supply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals, barcodes, and shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. And we're not bullshitting you when we say this because just apropos of nothing, last week a friend of mine who was a journalist who was involved in Queensland arts industry, they want to do a promotional thing as a 18th birthday, you know, celebrate with an alcoholic beverage um, for their arts community. And she phoned me and so said, look, do you know anybody that, uh, um, this isn't a lie, um, incidentally, this is a true case study. Do you know anybody, a brewery that I can go to and get a small run of cans done? And so I said, no, look, breweries don't do this, but I actually know these people who can do these. Phoned, I phoned my friends at Rallings. I didn't phone this number because I've got their mobile number, but I won't give that out on the podcast. <laughs> you so but the number that you should call if you had the same problem would be one three hundred eight five two two three five, and speak to them and so say, look, I need five hundred labels done, shrink sleeved, and delivered to a brewery who have said that they'll put it on the packaging line to have a special beer, and they said that they could do that. So you know. Go speak to them because if that's the sort of problem that you want to solve, they have the flexibility to do that. That number again, one three hundred eight five two two three five. So if you're in Brisbane and you're in the arts community, you may be seeing some shrink-sleeved cans uh, coming at you because they were canned by Rallings Labels pack- Stickers and Packaging. But you know what I also love about that story What's um, that? and that ad? But that the arts community are drinking beer. They're not that's so what, fancy yeah. that they're only drinking wine. It's which a little bit like winemakers who winemakers knock off with a beer because... Yeah. But the arts groups drinking wine, uh, beer, I love it, and that um, I think is a nice tie-in to uh, yeah. the Jacobs Creek fights for share of Dota Cricket. Um, I actually really like that there's wine businesses out there that are trying to take business from beer. It used yeah, to be. It says a lot, it? It's, it, it says a lot. I mean, I get that it's a cricket and I get that it's a more traditional thing, but I just really like to start seeing wine coming for us instead of us. Coming for wine. Coming for wine. For wine. Yeah. And so we've got arts. It's no longer, it just is no longer. Mm-hmm. No, we're sending well, the cricket, the brown it's a liquid. It's worrying. They're loaded, aren't they? Wine, the wine industry is minted. They've got marketing up the yin-yang. <laughs> well, and, and that was the thing about this. Like they're going Australian wine. Brand. Going, it's not. It's Pernod Ricard. It's like, yeah, sure, the grapes might be sort of, you know, made here or, or whatever. Um, it, but it's, you know, it, it, it's not there's some tiny little Australian wine brand. And they're sponsoring the ICC as well, not the Australian Cricket Board. So, mm-hmm. But um, they obviously feel threatened enough so, yes, yeah. to yeah. invest money. And I that's think it. that's great. And can I, well, see, and, and, and that was a thing for me. And, you know, covering this for the brewing industry, you know, I went back to look at the brand image that beer has always had. And, you know, because whether it was the uh, Canadian club over beer um, thing from 10 years ago, Mm. the lines that they were um, trotting out were basically the same. Mm -hmm. And they they, they could have stolen the press release and just inserted wine. And beer still has, mainstream beer particularly, but craft beer has a brand perception. It's got a, and nobody in the brewing industry is actually trying to remedy that. 
you know, here you've got a wine brand tackling the whole brewing industry by saying, you know, if you want a more mature palate, you, I, I don't know any element of the any one brand in the wine industry um, that is going buy this wine because the rest of you know all of these other wines are bad for you. And yet the marketing that brewers are, uh, are putting out there, they're saying low-carb beer is better for you. Um, you know, you, you've got better beer. You've got the better for you category of beer that basically says to anyone who has a vague perception of beer and it's, you know, that you are actually taking a health risk or you are doing something bad for your body or something for beer, when beer is actually very good for you. This is an area close to my heart, Matt, because in um, New Zealand – so um, as part of my role for the Brewers Guild of New Zealand, this is, is one of those perception challenges, even with government, right? Even with government, so not just with consumers, but with stakeholders, key stakeholders, is changing the perception of beer and what it is. And that is why we focus so heavily on tourism, mm. because I called it the Trojan horse to lobbying. Because with tourism, you can focus on all of the things that government likes, which is um, that makes beer unique and different, which is there is beer in every community, beer being made locally in every community. It is not just a, um, you know, wineries uh, in the big vistas. You can have microbreweries in urban areas. There's beer everywhere. Um, it employs local and it doesn't travel. You travel to it. Thank you. Um, that was that's my line. I that's one of your, that's one of your, it. So it, it beer is in fact not like wine. We don't want to be like wine. There's um, it's not being produced once a year. There's more um, options and variety of, available to you. It's changing all the time. Yep. You can so there's all of this stuff. And so I used to love. So we worked with. Um, an entity in the New Zealand government that crafts kind of the story around beer. And as the association, we were trying to push out that story and say, well, here's the story about craft, quote unquote, but story about beer in New Zealand. And here's the top four bullet points. And everybody else, if you market your beer overseas or internally, if you use those four bullet points as your starting point, and we just keep saying that over and over again, and then we've got the next three underneath, and then that can be what makes you, your brewery, that beer individual. But let's just keep saying those top three things the same all the time. Mm-hmm. That's cultural change, right? That's, yep. it's, that is really, really difficult to coordinate amongst in, in New Zealand, 240 breweries. Mm. And I believe, you know, here, you might not see that on a national scale, but, of course, Australia is so much larger. But all of these ale trails, they are kind of doing that, right? Yeah. They are trying to make the case that this is what makes our region, our beer special, and they're banding together and working together. But I do, I genuinely believe, and I know the IBA have been doing that, and they've obviously been successful because they've gotten the ear of government on some of these big issues like excise, but they are making the case for beer quite separately. The challenge is... Um, you know, there's this collegiality in beer and then there's the hyper-competitiveness and, you know, having two, three lines about what makes beer different from wine and everyone repeating it all the time mm. would be really great. But there's never been and, – and that was what I, I, I drilled down to. And, you know, everyone has to find their own you know, unique selling proposition. But I'm really, really critical of people in the brewing industry who want to – you know, present one part of the industry as better for you because that automatically and of, of you know that was low carb beer that was a whole lot of things and then we've also seen brewers with seltzer and you know last year I interviewed you know the chair of the IBA um, who had a seltzer range and just kept defaulting into the marketing language that seltzers are using that you know it it's better for you or it's for people who are conscious of the only takeaway from that is that beer is bad for you and you know that hurts the, the whole industry but. We've also seen, you know, the the, the big brewers um, pandering to the blokiness of beer for a long time. And if, if you look through some of the links of the article that I wrote about uh, Jacob's Creek, I clicked through to sort of analyse some of the uh, Brewers Association's own research about, you know, beer is seen as blokey, it's seen as boring, it's seen as, you know, um, all of these things. And these are stereotypes that the industry itself has created and there's been no campaign um, 
in in in, in my memory, apart from Beer the Beautiful Truth, that yeah, was, was com- well, that was completely hamstrung by the fact that it was a marketing campaign for Lion, and it had to fit. So it wasn't somebody else going. Here is Beer's brand perception that we need to address. It was Lion. In the end, and I believe it was because of infighting between the, the the big guys, they couldn't agree how to do it, so Lion did their own thing. But you know, on one hand, they the, the it, it had to be an adjunct to their own internal brand marketing. It wasn't separate as a category thing for beer. Talking about beer, but if you go back, you know, around prohibition um, in, in in last century, and you know, throughout the forties and fifties and sixties. Brewers were actually selling the idea of beer as a sophisticated, you know, drink, and there were still some beautiful artworks that 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 come out about that. That it was it wasn't blokey, it wasn't these things, and you know, it was a job creator. Um, America did it brilliantly, but we're just not seeing the industry market itself, and we're seeing businesses, in some cases, go for the lowest hanging fruit. To get a, a short-term sales blip, or you know, a particular category, you know, a segment of the, the the beer category, that actually damages beer's perception. But why do you think that is? Because it's easy. It's lazy. It, no, you know, it, I don't think it's because it's lazy. Well, low I carb. Think rather than convince, well, rather than to say, you know, if if you are concerned about carbs, here is a lower carb version. The narrative was here is if you are worried about health. You know, if you want to live a healthy lifestyle, and, and again, I, I I can go through and show all of but, the marketing campaigns I've dissected. Yeah, but I actually think it's even more basic than that, which is most. So taking away the big brewers, most small to medium breweries are small businesses, mm-hmm. and they are doing a thousand tasks, mm-hmm. and it's really difficult to step out and and think sort of strategically like imagine the work involved in going hey 50 other breweries hey 150 other breweries hey 200 breweries oh, but, Let's I, but, but agree. I'm not even talking about I'm so I'm not even talking about them coming together to put a positive image out there stop making the industry stop making beer look shitty you know, it, it is a start, and individual brew, brew, individual breweries can do that on their own by not making out as if beer is bad for you. But I think, yeah, okay, but I think you're conflating two to- two things. Well, the industry, uh, the in- industry yeah. on some level needs to put a positive message out there. Yeah, but let's start by not making beer look shit, and and because and and. and <laughs> And, and, and pandering to the worst perception. Yeah, but I think that's across. Okay, so we because, go back cause, to because those those are the same images that wine and you know, yeah. all of the other categories are portraying us as, and yet we're doing the same thing. Yeah. So you, so you're saying let's play offense and defense, and also no, let, let's just not stop tying our own shoelaces <laughs> together I, and falling over. I know, but that's also. I mean, we're going to talk about ABAC. We're going to talk <laughs> about you know all of these other things, which is. In an industry as diverse as the brewing industry in Australia, there are going to be um, businesses and individuals who act along the spectrum about what is good for them, their business, their business only, those that are in it for the broader industry and those that really lean heavily into, you know, consumer protection and we're going to do everything perfectly. And that is, you know, yell at low-carb beer, that is – you know, protect your digital marketing to make sure that you're, you know, you've got your age business on it, um, that you're not, you know, um, that your that your comments aren't sexist in the way that you portray yep. beer. Like that is in every aspect. Treat your staff well. Like that is in every aspect of what gets done. There are good yep. actors and there are bad yep. actors. And, and so, the whole industry is, has, is competing against the worst actors. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've yep. got to stop saying correct. I heard myself say it last week and I thought I, s- I was like, oh my God, you sound it's like a more. of affirming 100%. It. I know, yeah, I've got to, like, yeah, 100%. right on, Matt. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I, I was like, I sound like a freaking school teacher or something. Like, oh, that was terrible. I didn't to like that To be fair, at all. you don't say it that often to me. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Everybody's doing. Anyway, yes, I've got. So, yes, I agree with you, Matt. Uh, right on. <laughs> so, but yeah, anyway, okay. So that jumped around. A so little anyway, bit. Sorry so yeah, that. so so Jacob's Creek um, is coming after beer, and to some extent, beer has made that easy for them. Um, 
Let's a uh, little bit of breaking news overnight. Lion to sell Magic Rock and Four Pure. Lion has announced its intention to sell its UK assets, Magic Rock and Four Pure, but stresses that no decision has been made yet. Very, very interesting in the wake of some major um, acquisitions here and in the US that these, uh, you know, significant breweries in the UK. Claire, uh, now I haven't had a chance. To, we were only just published this one. Um, what did the media release say? Did they give any reason for it? Um, they mentioned that it had been a couple of difficult years for the breweries. Obviously, it has for everyone, so I don't know how much you want to read into that. And then they were talking about sort of positioning the businesses so they're in a place to grow and, you know, all the standard stuff that you put in a media release. <laughs> but basically, we want to get rid of you was the bottom line of that. Uh, interesting, like we were just having a quick chat about it before, that they've decided to offload their UK ones but are happy to grow their presence in a market like Australia. I don't know whether that says something necessarily about the UK versus Australian markets. Um, but, yeah, a, a really interesting one given their traje- growth trajectory and, like, need to expand internationally, which has been sort of their hallmark over the past sort of five years. Um, and now they seem to be retracting that, bringing it back. So, On one hand, don't want it, you know, any criticism you know oh you fucked it up or anything like that because we don't know um it's it's a hard for a big brewery a big multinational brewery to take craft breweries and grow them um we we know that that's a challenge but on the other hand they need to try things and let's face it lion has been very very um innovative is not experimental they've willing to take chances they tried to take uh, little creatures to asia and america they tried that um you know you would rather see when our criticism of the big brewers used to be they were boring, they would match race, they would just do the same things um, and not try anything new and interesting, I would much rather see, you know, an industry where they are trying stuff like this and then going, well, look, you know what, didn't work um, and and selling them. So uh, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see who buys them, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure... Who would really? So I'm sitting. Because... Ac- I'm sitting across from Sabrina, who's making faces. So, oh, go on, Sabrina. I, and, and no, not, I don't. And not saying correct. Okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cor- yeah. Come on, Sabrina. Is uh, he incorrect? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I was thinking through. I was thinking about what makes the UK market distinct. Has it been? You know, what is it that's is it specific about those two breweries, or is it the is it beer market in the UK altogether? I mean, certainly, you know, the lockdown and the COVID rates were much higher than they were in Australia, although that mm-hmm. that's not the case now. Um, but they were, and not the case in the US, which they're very much still happy to invest in. So, yeah, it's um, I, I think it would be really interesting um to get a perspective out of the UK on sort of what could be going on here. Um, and it's interesting to know whether that has ramifications, um, you know, beyond just the UK, whether it's sort of a global strategy or whether it really is a that particular market strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. we'll see. We'll see. We'll get someone on it, shall we? Well, we will. Um, as we said, it's breaking news, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. Okay, well, let's go to Mailbag. And now Mailbag is brought to you by... The New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to www.nzaletrail.com or at NZ Ale Trail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. I don't think we can get over there just yet. We're mm-hmm. hoping that we might be able to soon, but now is the time to start planning and finding some of the best New Zealand beer experiences. As Sabrina said, beer is really something that you should travel for, and if you need a travel companion, New Zealand Ale Trail is your best travel companion for New Zealand breweries. And that brings us to the mailbag. Um, interesting mailbag. You know, having a bit of a shake-up to the, 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 the format that <laughs> seems to have stuck. Um, very positive. Uh, you know, people seem to like somebody having a strong opinion apart from me. Um, <laughs> which is good. Uh, yeah, but one really of is. the ones... Now, I'd, now I'm going to take this... Um, there was an interesting message about um, we, we really dug in deep last week um, about the design of better beer, and one of the things uh, that Sabrina said, and I was going to raise it, but it was like we were already so deep into the discussion and so long, um, where there was a, a, a point made that there was a lack of diversity on the uh, Mighty Craft board, and that 
you know, may have been a factor into yeah. the, the design thing. Now, because I didn't pick it up then because there's about 37 layers of discussion about that. And I don't want to speak for you, but the, the point that you were yeah. making wasn't that no women on the board, so they made this mistake. Yeah, so the point that I was... Um, trying to make perhaps a little ineloquently. And for listeners, you know, my background is corporate governance. It was. And so sort of I'm a bit of a nerd in that space, which is why sort of the leaps make more sense to me without maybe spelling them out. And so the leaps for me went a little bit like this, which is um, that Mighty Craft is positioning itself as an innovative organisation. The Management science, the um, research around management and boards tells you that more diversity leads to better board decision making. The culture, the controls, the decisions that are made at the board set the standard for how the organisation operates. And so if you have a board that is not as diverse uh, or diverse at all, quite frankly, Mm-hmm. Um, then that doesn't really support the argument that it's a super innovative organisation and that's not... And that's not just con- diverse in terms of gender. Correct. In, the, in, uh, 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 yes, Matt, that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. So it's a range of diversity but looking at the photos you can make an assessment. But that is also that one of the very obvious... <laughs> that there is um, one of the very obvious um, diversity uh, factors that is missing perhaps mm-hmm. on the board. And so the point yeah. that I was trying to make is that, look, if these problems start at the top in terms of diversity, um, in terms of controls, setting the right standard, in terms of governance, then that flows on down through the organisation. And it explains, in my view, in part why controls, governance, good governance practices didn't exist throughout the organisation, such that this problem might have been identified. So there is not a straight line that is true, um, mm-hmm. and that is not what I was trying to, to mm. make. And, and one thing you definitely weren't saying is that unqualified people should be appointed to the yeah. board just to make I don't think you sure. even mentioned qualifications. No, no so I think... We, it's not a merit thing. I think we should say the message that came in uh, suggested that I had suggested diversity over qualifications, and I don't think that's the case, but I would mm-hmm. also make the point that even if that was the argument I was making... Um, you can't tell me there isn't a single – in 50% of the Australia's population, there isn't a single qualified woman. So I, I'm in no way suggesting mm-hmm. stack a board with unqualified women. I'm saying yeah. there are women who yeah. would be qualified. <laughs> um, and would add value would in add terms value. of just broadening the perspective. And you know, one, I, I think one of the best examples is when MOA did their annual report, I think it was about seven years ago, and – they just like they just had photos of women on their knees yeah. next to a man oh, with yeah, an ashtray on their head so with a cigar oh. being ash you know, and stuff like that. And you're just going, if there was diversity in that organization, somebody hopefully would have spoken up and said, That's just not like it's not it's not funny, it's not in, you know, it, it, it's and it's, it's it's just wrong. That's a very egregious, you know, very clear example of it. But a diversity of thinking, which you you don't want groupthink. You don't want um, everyone and, thinking the same way, and, and not, hopefully, I mean, and the data like this isn't you know this isn't my opinion, although um, I support the data. But the data tells you that organisations perform better when there are divorced mm-hmm. boards because there are ro- more divorced ro- boards or diverse boards. Well, <laughs> well that could be a diverse, <laughs> diversity <laughs> of um, <laughs> diversity of approach, diverse boards. boards yes. Because um, they have better discussions, which lead more robust discussions about big decisions that yeah. need to be made, which lead to better decision making. So, you know, that that's what the management science tells us. Um, and so we should probably think about that. You know, I can only speak as a 52-year-old white man who you know, wrote about beer and is now has a business that has... Um, only women? Well, no, there is, there, there is some. No, no, so you know, we, we have two full-time staff, two part-time staff. And, and a guest it, contributor. Who, who, whose regularity is yet to be determined. <laughs> but Permanent Sabrina, permanent Sabrina. But, I mean, look, I, I think you can just hear from the discussion that we had last week and the discussion we've had this week that it's different than if it was Pete and I discussing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because 
we, our, our experience is largely the same. And the more points of view, the more experiences in the background that you can bring into a business is going to round out you know, just the discussions and the decisions, I, I think. And, and it's not, I mean, and this is sort of, this is where it all gets really tricky, but it's not, you know, it's not women for women's sake. No. And, and, and we're talking just women, right? So we should, you know, um, a range of genders, there's a range of um, perspectives, there's a range of ethnicities, there's a range of backgrounds. What we're really targeting is this this concept of bringing your whole self to the conversation that helps a business make better performance. And, you know, these conversations about diversity in the beer industry have been going on now for some time. Claire did that excellent interview uh, recently with Eden. Um, you know, we've seen the stuff coming out um, around beer agents for change, what Pink Boots are trying to do. And I guess, you know, sort of the point that I'm making is that when we see these types of things in the industry, um, it is totally appropriate to talk about them and so I wasn't making anything up and I didn't go down that rabbit hole on purpose I picked up the annual report to start looking at it for the purposes of understanding the layout and it just jumped off the page at me as it does a bit doesn't it but but again we, we spent 53 minutes of this podcast talking about ways to make the industry better you know across so many different things and this is just another, you know, if we want an industry that appeals to a broader, you know, more diverse and rapidly changing demographic in society, which was a, the, the thing that the Jacobs Creek sort of said about tastes are changing, attitudes are changing, how, how we see ourselves as a nation is changing. And if we are going to position ourselves in yes. an innovative company who is at the forefront of those changes... And maybe having a woman on the board would be okay. Would be helpful. <laughs> I'm just, I don't want to bring it back. Having you know, points like, of view yeah. that reflect those changes. I mean, you know, it's it's. Um, I don't want to throw stones, but I remember who was it? Was it Beer Cartel were raising money last year? Did they go through a beer raise? Beer Cartel. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their entire prospectus and everything about them, there wasn't a woman in, in, in any of the imagery. Like I clicked on it, and I. Got a bit cranky. Um, but I was like, you're doing a capital raise right now for your business. And I was like, and and I'll sort of bring it back to a personal anecdote, but my best friend would be considered a classic craft beer consumer. She's a, a geek for it. They they get the subscription box. And I, and I just kept thinking, she's one of your consumers. And, in fact, women make most household buying decisions. Um, and – Nowhere reflected in any of the material was there a woman. And so I went down this path and I just thought, and I just thought, we want, so two, two things. We want to sell beer. We should probably not exclude anyone from that, right? We want our consumers <laughs> yeah. to be as diverse as the population is itself. Yeah. And so, you know, like, it, I just it, sort it, of. It, it's one of the reasons I'm so, I, I was so admiring of the Great Northern. You know, like, Great Northern's not a beer that I'm ever going to buy personally but as somebody that has been hypercritical of big brewers particularly in the way that they've positioned beer negatively as yep. i sort of discussed the way that great northern has very very deftly and gently positioned itself as a brand that isn't just about you know blokes unshaven sitting around a campfire on a on, on a barbecue it's softened the image of beer in a really, really nice way. And it's not patronised anybody. My it's New not- Zealand equivalent of that is, if anybody hasn't seen it, I'm sure you all have, but it is the most, the Spates um, okay. dance, I think it's called Spates dance, wedding dance. Um, so Spates used to be, it's, it's from the South Island, it used to get positioned as like great southern man and it was that sort of <laughs> rustic, if you ever go to the Spates, it's fabulous. Um, and their most recent advertisement was sort of two was a man who wanted to um, do a really good dance with his wife as their first dance at their wedding. And he and all of his friends stood around practising this dance and they're sort of – and the spates, the beer is in the background. So, like, the guys are – and then they're counting the beats and it's all in preparation for the wedding because he wants to wow his new wife. And it is okay beautiful. And I every time I look at that, I just think – 
God, we've come so far. We might link to that in the show notes. Yeah, sorry about that. This has gone on a whole tangent, but I love it. It's this is what we. This is what's below the fold. Apart from that, that's pretty much the news and the discussion uh, for the mailbag. Uh, sorry, there was one Steve Bachman. Um, uh, sorry, the, the, the one story oh, that we haven't really yeah. talked about, the limits of independence. Very interesting. Now, in the show notes, um, there was a discussion uh, on Bivana, which is a very good North American blog, um, talking about the Brewers Association and Kanaki Craft Brewing, which was, wasn't was quite a mighty craft thing because it was a private equity group that bought wholly a number, like a group of eight or nine craft breweries to get scale and put it together. I don't think it ever quite worked, um, is, is my takeaway from it. One of the breweries actually bought itself back at the end of last year, but now they've sold, and they've sold to Monster Beverages, um, you know, Monster Drinks, which, again, a little bit interesting that a soft drink maker is getting into craft beer, but how quickly the Brewers Association, which has always been the... North Star for the definition of craft beer back when everyone was debating the definition of craft beer, which was small, traditional, independent. Um, and these days, you know, small isn't all that small. Like I think it's six million barrels. Um, you know, traditional is basically completely gone because they were talking about, you know, when they came up with their definition initially, it was a revolution against the big brewers. Um, who you know used adjuncts and enzymes and things, and suddenly you had uh, trying to think of the name of the they're in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Um, they're like a mainstream brewer, but they're still family owned. They're the, they're the Coopers of America, but they make a adjunct lager, and suddenly they're going, well, why can't we be a member of the Brewers Association? And so the Brewers Association had to change the definition, and you know, it, it's just to accommodate changing market dynamics they've changed the definition of what craft beer to follow and jettisoned a lot of the things that were very important to engaging consumers passionately 20 25 years ago um and suddenly you've got a a soft drink manufacturer controlling some of the big craft brands in in the u.s and you know if, if next week's podcast um Next week, beer is a conversation with Ben Krause. We talk a lot about passion and motivation and drive behind a brand. A soft drink manufacturer is never going to have the same passion for a product, for the integrity of the thinking around craft beer as you know a, a small little craft brewer. Um, and that was where the discussion... I think my takeaway from it though, Matt, and I'm going to come at it from an industry association point of view because obviously that's my background I think that it's clear that definitions are changing over time yep and they have to because the industry is changing because exactly because the market is changing over time um structures are changing over time and so if you if you step away from the um important but nuanced and difficult complex discussion around definitions is there a need in the US and in our case Australia for an association to help support small to medium breweries who do not have the resources available through networks, through international networks of larger breweries. Actually, what these sorts of things are telling you is that now more than ever, because we are in this complex environment, we need these associations Names can be difficult, definitions can be difficult, but actually, um, you know, if we want an entity to be coming up with a strategic play about why beer is better than wine, that is the group to do it. So if, if you're we, not a member of the IBA, so, yeah, so join, this is well, a, yeah, yeah, no, join it, not because it's called the Independent Brewers Association, right. but because it <laughs> yeah. is the association that is actually actively uh, uh, out there campaigning yeah. and lobbying, lobbying for, for small brewers. Yeah. And providing basic supports, like yes. thinking about setting the standard around standards of conduct, helping you mm-hmm. with employment things. So I, I just sort of come back to, you know, the world is shifting under our feet in all sorts of ways. This is an example. We just talked about the, the Lion acquisition and then sale a few years later. But all of it says the market is really moving. And now more than ever, 
organisations need to work together to leverage collective resources. And so I just come at it from the association point of view. There is always a fight to be had of precisely what do we stand for, but what, you know, and how does that, you know, trickle down into what is the right definition for who we are today and do we have the right name, don't we, all of that. But actually the point of what they're doing is to is for collective support, working together, providing more resources and interacting with government. And and small to medium breweries need that now more than ever. 100%. So that's where I'm at. Correct. Correct. Is there anything else? Now, I just wanted to have a little throw in um, just like tip of, tip of the week. Um, I've been reading uh, David Chang's book. So so David Chang, um, who is the founder of uh, Mum Fuku, very, you know, very controversial character. He said some things about beer um, that upset a whole lot of craft beer drinkers seven or eight years ago. But he's a guy who just loves food wants to make good food simple, um, which has been his uh, motivation. And he's got a book called Eat a Peach. If you are in the brewing industry, uh, you know you shouldn't just be reading brewing industry books because you should be learning from others. And his is a very, very raw um, discussion about his approach to food and things like that. So that's my tip of the week. Um, David Chang, Eat a Peach, audio book. Yeah, so it's a very good... And you should also have read uh, the other one um, that I'm always talking about, which is the Dorito effect. Audio books are good. No, audio books are brilliant, yeah. So, well, yeah. this podcast I don't listen to If you listen to, to a podcast... Now that I'm on it, so that's, that saves <laughs> so you know me an hour and a bit yeah, a day. Exactly. Wait, I do have something that I okay. did want to say that's actually related, but it goes back up above this stuff. I can't believe I'm the one who's trying to get it back on track. ABAC. I want to talk about the ABAC thing. ABAC, yeah, ABAC okay. away. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what I want to say about the ABAC thing is I think that the beer industry should be pushing that the applicants are either named or identified either as – no, hear okay, me out. Okay. Either as organisation or individual because I get the point. Okay, not get, like the actual specific but I don't think com- they, person, I, 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 personal complaint. I think individuals make it. As individuals, even if they're affiliated, and how do you determine So, that? I mean, if you go to the RTA, if you go to um, a small claims tribunal, like why is this something that you get to hide behind? Mm-hmm. Right? Like so if you go through any other court well, because, because the motivation process, of the, the motivation of the complainant doesn't actually weigh into the consideration because you, you, mm-hmm. you've got an objective standard that they're and, and they're raising no, a complaint I, against an objective think, standard. It doesn't matter what their motivation so, is. Yes, I think it does because I think the point is that if this is a um, process that is transparent, above board, objective, then why don't uh-huh. why can't people know who the parties are? Um, and I accept that yeah. one of the reasons is if it is genuinely individuals, they don't want to be targeted. Yep. Yes, that's um, what I was going to say. So that's fine. That's a, so in sh- principle, it's a good idea. In principle, it's a good idea, but actually. I don't but know. I, don't, I, I just don't think that it matters because... I think it, I'm not sure, though. I think it does because we've had accusations that other breweries are complaining about other breweries. So if that's the case, then we'd have much fewer complaints. Look, I, I you know, if, if a brewery complains against another brewery and that brewery has done nothing wrong, then mm. it, it they, they've wasted a little bit of time. So it, that, that's why the thing. are we scared of transparency? I'm not scared of it, but I just don't think it because it ultimately it doesn't matter who the complainant is, it, because because there is an objective standard that's being applied by, and I actually love the fact that it's fair who are making it because on one hand they're saying what a terrible thing ABAC is, and yet they're the ones who are the biggest yeah, but users. That, but you know that. It. But when you stand up, then okay, so the, no, I, I think it does matter. Okay. I think it does matter because oh. I think that. The brewing industry says ABAC functions. We apply an objective standard. We do the right thing. Fair. Mm-hmm. And all of these other entities that are out there lobbying with money provided by government say, no, it doesn't work. We need a more regulated mm. thing. If we had the data to say fair is saying that, but also they okay. utilise it. But that's a different argument. So, no, it's the no, same no, argument. No, 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 sorry. Okay. But no, it's the same It doesn't argument. actually change the outcome of the complaint. I'm not and suggesting so, so I'm it should out. change the outcome of a yeah, complaint. So, so, so I'm I think in terms of having the data and sort of correct, having that as an argument, yep, 100%. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Correct. Correct. Look, look at, oh, the, my God. The meeting of the minds, respectful discussion, meeting of the minds, no anger. So I'm saying that we should be pushing as part of the public discussion 
that and I'm and I think it should be organisations should be named if you're if you're completing on behalf of or yeah. are a single you're affiliated affiliated yeah. with so, yeah. and in if you case, are an individual it gets named individuals and I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting it should in any way change the outcome mm. I think it should be in a, but I think it, understanding the success or not who's success, engaging in the process who's engaging yeah. in the process what that means for other conversations that are being had about the 100%. alcohol industry we should know who's doing I'm it i'm just mindful that we sorry bye <laughs> but listeners thank you very much for your time and attention once again thank you for your feedback and your engagement in the facebook group and through emails and uh again I hope this has brought out a lot of viewpoints that you might want to share with us this week. Uh, So, Sabrina, thank you very much for coming back. Will we see you back next week? (laughs) Maybe. 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 (laughs) I'll keep you hanging. The the, the invitation is there. Claire, you will be back because I'm paying you. Um, (laughs) You have to. We might even get you uh, in the office and, you know, COVID risk and all. Mm -hmm. And uh, so. I'm back. Thank you both. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to being back. Now, next week, on next Tuesday, we'll be back with Beers of Conversation. It will be Ben Krause. Fascinating conversation. Uh, Ben's, you know, frequent flyer, Miles, uh, you know, certainly growing um, with this podcast. He's one of our most frequent guests. But, you know, so much more to discuss. We talk about employee share schemes. We talk about multiple venues. We talk about um, expansion. Um, we talk about labelling, all the things that uh, Ben does very, very passionately. So it will be dropping in your inboxes next Tuesday. But the one other thing I'll say is that not only should you support your association, no matter what it's called, just because it's your association, you should also be supporting us and making these independent, robust conversations. If you are a brewery and you're not a subscriber, you damn well should be if you're listening. <laughs> so that's just a nice prompt. So we, we don't have a sales team. This is how we uh, sort of get the word out. So, uh, yeah, get, get your marketing people to speak to my person and uh, we'll see what we can do. Until next week, thank you, guest hosts. Thank you, you panellists. Thank you, listeners. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, Matt. Bye, Claire. (laughs) Bye, guys. Radio Brews News is edited by Joe Helder. It is produced by Vivian Topilovic. And uh, I'm Matt Kierkegaard. That was Sabrina Kunz and also Claire Burnett. I only started doing that because... Other podcasts do that, and I figured we should probably should give credit to everybody. And uh, I like that. I mean, you didn't let her boom. No, I haven't because I haven't said we're out because oh, we, we weren't we're out. Now yet. we're out. Yeah. Oh, I think cut that last sixty seconds, <laughs> and that was Claire Burnett. <laughs> boom! That would have been beautiful. Oh, no, I, I think no. I'm using that boom. <laughs> yeah, use Sabrina's oh, boom. No, Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.